Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. The first guest is former college soccer star Mo Isom Aiken, who brings some words of encouragement about developing intimacy with God. Then it's Tim Clinton of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk and the American Association of Christian Counselors with some insight into the overall topic area of biblical manhood. And on this edition of The Intersection, you'll be hearing from Magdalena Battles, a Christian mom who desires to reflect God's glory through an orderly, well-managed home. You'll be hearing her share about some time management principles. Finally, John Jackson of William Jessup University in California has response to the recent easing of restrictions on indoor worship in the Golden State, restrictions that were put into place because of COVID-19. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Mo Isom Aiken is a former collegiate soccer star and is a well-known author and speaker. Recently, she and I discussed the importance of being known by God and how to grow in the knowledge of Him. She's written a book entitled Fully Known, An Invitation to True Intimacy with God. With some comments relative to spiritual intimacy, this is Mo Aiken. I'm a doer. I'm a performer. You know, you see through athletics, as you mentioned, how you push yourself, how you strive, how you, you know, work, 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 basically to be the Mm -hmm. best. And um, this is, you know, not wrong in, in all contexts, but in the context of our faith, in the context of our relationship with God, really this performative mentality, or even sometimes the bandwidth and ability to do so many things can be a huge um, stumbling block in our road to really seeking and understanding his heart. Uh, for me, the invitation was to, to settle down, to slow down, to stay a while. You know, I think of Mary and Martha and Mary at his feet and the Lord telling Martha, you know, she's found what cannot be taken from her. And Martha had the best of intentions. She's laboring for the kingdom, right? But he's even explaining to her, hey, I love you, but but Mary's onto something and it can't be taken from her. And I just... Um, as, as it sort of relayed, I guess, to our ministerial presence and the way we did things, it seemed great, right? We, we can juggle many things in this day and age and produce a lot and create a lot and have platforms that make it quick and easy. But I found that um, the sustainability of that wanes. <laughs> it's not one of great longevity. Um, It's actually one that can lead us to burnout when it's efforts and when it's work by our own strength or when we've had an encounter with God and it's, you know, filled up our hearts and fueled us, but we aren't continuing to go back into his presence. Well, eventually that fuel dwindles and he doesn't want that for us. He's the living water that sustains us, but we have to continue to draw near as he draws near to us so that the works that are following our intimacy with him are truly conceived by the spirit. So when we talk about allowing ourselves to be fully known by God, what's, what's that like? What, what does that look like? I think we can see and begin to see, even when we look all the way back to, you know, the origin, when we look to the garden, there was perfect oneness 
communion in the garden with the creator. And there was nothing they needed to hide or hide from. But following the deception, what happens? Eve hides behind fig leaves, right? There is a shame that comes with this exiting of our perfect communion. And then there becomes these layers and layers of shame, of guilt, of fear that we hide behind. And so I think the beauty of this invitation to be fully known by God is actually the invitation to our own hearts to let our guard down, to allow the Spirit of God to pull back the shame, the fear, the wounds, all of these things in the hidden place that he pulls back from us so that we can be exposed, we can be vulnerable. Those areas of our lives or those sin struggles or those habits or patterns or whatever they may be that we just don't want to bring to God, there are deepest and darkest pieces. Those are the very layers of our heart that he is wanting us to know are safe to hand to him, to hand over, that he he wants to know each and every intricate part. He's patient and he's loving and he is tender and he is pulling back these layers of us and asking that we trust him and hand over the things that aren't for our best or are hindering us or are keeping us unhealthy so that he can give to us what makes us whole so that we can know such a transparency before God that no sin, no struggle, no backslidden moment of, of shame is the thing that defines us, but that we know we can come back to the one who is refining us, Hmm. sanctifying us. Because you know how the word talks about uh, when we stand before God, if, if there's a fear of condemnation, we have not been made perfect yet in love. And I think the beauty is that the more we know this posture before him spiritually, hey, God, here's all of it. Here's all of me. Search me, know me, change me, transform me. Man, the more we'll encounter the love and look forward to the day we stand before him. Mo Aiken here on The Intersection. You can find her online at mo, M-O-I-S-O-M dot com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Dr. Tim Clinton, President of the American Association of Christian Counselors, Executive Director of the James Dobson Family Institute, and co-host of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. He shared material relative to his book, Take It Back, Reclaiming Biblical Masculinity, the Heart and Strength of Being a Man. From that conversation, this is Tim Clinton now. In my mind, I have um, a portrait of my dad. My dad was a pastor, Bob, for nearly 60 years in central Pennsylvania. He was a World War II veteran. Uh, Tom Brokaw called them the greatest generation ever. Mm-hmm. He uh, served on the USS Pennsylvania. Um told us stories about what it was like to be in the war. I remember sitting at his feet and hearing those stories and thinking, Dad, were you really there? He said when he got back stateside, Bob, that he kissed the ground, couldn't wait to get back to his hometown, Dubois, Pennsylvania. When he got back to the streets of Dubois, he saw my mother, who, by the way, they had broken up before he left for the war, walking down the streets. She had a ring on her finger. She slid it off when she saw him. And uh, they reconnected. It's a beautiful love story. But my dad served as a pastor 
for nearly 60 years, kindest men I've ever met in my whole life, loved us, loved my mother, loved my five sisters. He was um, a man who had to work with his hands. Even though he was a pastor, I learned how to do everything there was on a car just to keep our cars running. Um, took us out and taught us how to fish and play. And and uh, in, in terms of my two brothers, taught us what it meant to be a man, uh, how to honor the Lord, um, how to be tender. Never heard my dad raise his voice, yet he was strong on his convictions and more. I remember the day he died, Bob, um, saddest day of my life up to that point. And it was um, – I. I I, I was in the in the in the room there holding his hand and I just prayed Psalm twenty three over him. And I remember after he passed, um, I went home and looked at my two children, Megan and Zach, and I said to them, If I can be half the father that my dad was to me, to you, um, you'll be blessed and I promise you I'll try and do every ounce of that for the rest of my life. Bob, when I think of biblical masculinity, I think of a man who wasn't perfect, but he was tender. I think of a man who wasn't perfect, but he was genuine. I think of a man who wasn't perfect, but he talked to us about the things of the Lord. Uh, a man who wasn't perfect, but he loved on us. And a man who taught us so much. He channeled our energy as boys, for example, wanting us to understand what all that meant. And he was a protector, a provider, and so much more. Um, we don't need less of that. We need more of that. And the, the, the tragedy of our day, Bob, is they've taken masculinity and taken the word toxic and per- merged them together. Mm. And it, it fits the ideology of current culture because if you can rid men, you can destroy the heart and fabric of the family. And you've got a lot of people out there who are broken, too. They grew up in homes say, where they have a lot of anger and frustration, say, toward their dad. Um, maybe he did hurt them. Maybe he violated them. Maybe he was unkind. I saw a, a guy on television not long ago, big, uh, popular personality, and he did this little expose on his dad, and he broke down, and then he was mad. He was so mad. He was dropping all kinds of words on him, on his dad. And, and he, he basically was living out his life of rage because of his father. And let me say something here important. When you look at the research, and, and Bob, this is, this is critical, where both good and bad, you begin to really realize the importance of fathers. Because when you take them out of the equation, the world goes to chaos. It does. And when a dad is present and engaged, it's amazing the gifts that he gives to his children and his children's children. Tim Clinton here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to the website timclintonbooks.com. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests on The Meeting House program. Also, you can find the Intersection podcast in the Media Center. It's also available through iTunes. You can subscribe to it absolutely free. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, the website address, meetinghouseonline.info, 
or you can get there through the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Learn more through the Meeting House homepage. Moving on now here on this edition of The Intersection, it's parenting and child development expert Magdalena Battles, author of the book, 10 Time-Saving Tips for Busy Parents. In our conversation, she discussed the importance of time management and having an orderly home that glorifies God. From that conversation, this is Magdalena Battles now. This book I actually wrote during the pandemic, and it, which was really um, helpful to the mindset of what we were going through at that time and what I was putting into the book because it made me realize, wow, structure is so important because when our lives are eroded, um, when everything is taken away and it's, it's like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? We need to instill that structure in our home life and put in habits um, for that time. It might just be for a season that, you know, you have these different sort of group of habits and, and routines, but they need to be established so that you can um, thrive and that your children especially will thrive in that environment. We think about order as being something that is consistent with the nature of God. And as someone who has written a book about time management, some of the lessons that you've learned, I wanted you to elaborate just a bit more because so often life can become random. It can become haphazard, chaotic at times. Why is that structure, as you see it, so important for kids? Uh, Well, like you said, God is the God of order. Um, He, we are created in his image. Um, but also, I, I'm, as a doctor of psychology, I look at the research, and study after study have shown that kids thrive under routine and structure. I mean, of course, they need playtime, they need free time, and that sort of thing, but that's built into the structure um, of the routines that you have. Uh, it, it just works well for kids, and it helps them to know what to expect during the day. It's, it's sort of like if they get home from school... Um, can they go outside and play or are they going to get in trouble? Do they know that if they're going to get in trouble for going outside and playing before they do their homework? Do they know what they're supposed to do? Do they know where their belongings go when they walk in the home? Do they just throw them anywhere or is there a place for their backpacks and their shoes to go? Is there order and, and routine in your home that makes it predictable for your children? Because that gives them a sense of stability as well. Well, as you look at these various time-saving tips that you relate in this book, tell me what you see as the importance of being on a schedule, having a set routine, but also leaving, as we might say, some wiggle room and not being so rigid that it, well, doesn't leave room for uh, for flexibility, I guess. Right, right, exactly. Um, so important that we allow for downtime, and that goes mm-hmm. into how we are setting up our schedule. So we need to assess how busy we are. Um, if we are going, you know, I have three kids, that means they're all, and they're all in a sport right now. If they were in, um, you know, multiple sports, which some families do is, you know, they have uh, one child in two different sports at the same time, and music, and ballet, um, and art lessons. And it's like, wow, you're going to be doing three different activities every night of the week. Well, you take that time, and it's like you get out of school, kids get out of school, and you become chauffeur. You're taking them from one activity to the next, 
and you know you're missing that dinner time with family then because you can't be home because you're all getting to and from activities and you're taking your kids to their activities what happens is we lose that time with our family and that downtime so the one of the most important things to do is, is really assess are these all these activities essential are they really going to um, help us get where we want to be in the long run and and the long run is um, am I raising my child to be a good, responsible human being and one who also loves God and, and instilling our values into them as well? So we need to have that downtime and have built into the schedule time that we have for family time, including dinner time, at least several days a week. It is essential. They've shown in research that it really does help a family to bond together, to have that time of sitting down to a meal together. So. Schedule is great and, and we need it for our kids. They get it in school to a certain extent and that's great. They learn it there. But, you know, as our parent, as parents, we are their number one influence in their lives. So we really need to make an effort to establish routines and schedule at home so that they have those skills when they leave our home. So they know how to, oh, I know I need to put myself to bed at a certain time. Otherwise, I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to be able to take my <laughs> college exams because I'm so exhausted. We need to help them establish those habits from a very early age to, to set them up for success in life. Magdalena Battles here on The Intersection. Her website address is livingjoydaily.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's the president of William Jessup University in Rockland, California, John Jackson, who discussed with me recent U.S. Supreme Court decisions regarding COVID-19 restrictions placed on churches in the state of California and highlighted the importance of upholding religious liberty. In our overall conversation, he referred to his book, The Prevailing Church, Confronting the Five Giants of Culture. Here now from that conversation is John Jackson. We are in historic times, Mm. and I think the events of the last uh, 13, 14 months, and certainly the last couple weeks have indicated that. Bob, essentially, as you rightly said in your introduction, this is the fifth time, if I've got my count correctly, that the Supreme Court has said to California, no, no, no. And every time they say that to California, California, uh, it seems, is uh, unable or unwilling to hear that strong voice. The First Amendment is not an amendment of convenience. It's an amendment of conviction. So the right to speech, assembly, to worship, to press, those are fundamental rights. And by the way, you know this, Bob, your listeners do. Those are not rights given to us by our government. They are rights that come that are inalienable, unalienable from our creator. And so what happened, Bob, just very quickly, is the Supreme Court says you cannot prohibit people from in their private household being able to gather for worship. Uh, You cannot prohibit uh, households from coming together for religious purposes. Uh, nor can, by the way, you tell churches that they can't gather for worship. So I'm grateful for the Supreme Court decision of this last week, uh, as well as the other ones. And uh, sadly, and I, I don't, uh, I mean, I pray for our governor every day. I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not a hater. I'm not anti-government. I'm pro-government. But I tell you, I, I think this governor has overreached repeatedly. And thankfully, the federal courts have said, no, you may not transgress on the First Amendment. 
Well, as you look across the landscape, and of course, you are someone, you are the president of a Christian university in California. You also have an extensive background in pastoral ministry. You've written a number of books. So you're someone that I perceive you really have a finger on the pulse of what is affecting the church as well as the school that you lead with respect to the the COVID-19 pandemic. How do you see that the church in general has been affected there in California as a result of what could arguably be called the most stringent restrictions on gathering in the nation? Yeah, I think, uh, Bob, what we've seen is we've seen that California and New York have been leading a parade of some number of states uh, who are going in one direction, uh, and then Texas and Florida would be leading uh, in the other direction. Uh, I tell you, Bob, you rightly lift up the church. I have lots of concerns about culture, lots of concerns about government overreach and a disregard for constitutional freedoms. But to be quite frank, uh, my biggest concern right now is the household of faith. The kingdom of God, the body of believers gathered together either in sort of traditional church buildings or house to house. You know, in the New Testament, Bob, in in Acts, the church gathered in the temple courts and then they gathered in house to house. So however that is that the church gathers, I I think what we've seen over the last 14 months, uh, Bob, I said at the very beginning, uh, four words, reveal, reset, reentry and then revival and reformation, those those five words, but those last two, revival and reformation together. And, and Bob, what I've said since then is I was right on the words. I think the Lord gave me those words. I was right on the words, but man, was I wrong on the duration. Mm. Uh, so, so I thought it was going to be, you know, 90 days or so. And so here we are, Bob, 14 months in. And I think what the Lord is revealing uh, through COVID is the church uh, really has to grapple with making disciples and then engaging in the culture. Those are two twin themes. I wrote a tiny little book called The Prevailing Church. I'm just burdened more about the church, honestly, Bob, than I am about the culture, because I think this is a defining hour for us. John Jackson here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to his website. It's drjohnjackson.com. The school website is jessup, J-E-S-S-U-P dot E-D-U. We are nearing the conclusion of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. At that homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection. There are also links by which you can listen or download the Intersection podcast. You can find it in the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House, and the other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.